Retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There's got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Welcome. Hello. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work. And you can hear us every Sunday on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm here in studio today with one of my team members, Andrea Risk. Hello, Andrea. Hey, David. Happy Sunday. How's it going? Back at you. It's going great. Glad you were here. And Andrea will be uh, reading some of your questions from out the week. And remember that you can go to www.retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button in the top right-hand corner and submit your question. We'd love to have it. Or you can call me at 615-435-3644. And also here in studio is a special guest today, Karen Feemster, who's going to talk with us in a later segment about the process of applying for and paying for your kids' college. Hello, Karen. Hello, David and Andrea. It's great to be with you guys today. Glad to have you. Excited to hear about that segment. You won't want to miss it. Again, welcome. So, you know, I always like to talk about the passion behind the show and and why I do this every week. So let me tell you the story about my father and and why his story changed the way I advise as a financial advisor. First of all, I have to say that my dad, besides being my hero, um, he's an amazing man. And of course, he's my father and he is a great father at that. And uh, we have become best friends over the years. But my dad spent 40 years in retail, hard, hard worker, uh, just very inspiring. Um, One could argue that he worked too hard, especially when age 63 came about, and he had a health scare. And I'll never forget sitting in my office over on 12th South here in Nashville and my sister calling me, telling me I needed to rush home to see dad. Um, And David, please beg him to retire. He's got to stop. He's working himself to death, and he's in the ER. As you can imagine, that was a very hard day. I'll tell you what else is hard is giving your parents advice. I mean, they've always taken care of you. And, you know, when you see your parents not taking care of themselves, it's very scary. And I believe that's why they call us the sandwich generation. It is. It's it's such a difficult thing, you know, to have young children and to have parents that you're taking care of simultaneously. Right. It, it can be very stressful, and it's definitely a transition that people, I don't think, talk about enough. Absolutely. Well, and, and I'll tell you, and I, you know, would talk to my dad about retiring, and he'd say, you know, I, I can't. And I'd say, okay, you can't. Why? Well, you know, I need to. The typical excuses that are usually based on fear that I hear from other clients would come out of my dad's mouth. You know, I need to wait till 67. Well, why, Dad? Well, I need to save more money and Social Security and Medicare and healthcare, And, you know, there's always reasons to wait. And, you know, I've, I've seen clients that have 30 million bucks that are still think they need more. And those that have $150,000 and decide to retire. But that weekend was a very long weekend. But I'm so proud of my dad. He did it. He surprised the entire family. But he looked at all of us. And after some tears and hugs, he said, you're right. It's time to focus on me and the family. And he quit. And, you know, I realized after this event, especially being so close to home, that my tone as a financial advisor would forever be changed, and it has. And 
my training on retirement planning to that point was antiquated, and it was really missing something important. This business really trains us on the technical side of the business, but not on emotion. And if you're not in tune with emotion, how can you advise? How can you be a financial advisor if you don't address that? And, you know, they say personal finance is 80% personal and 20% finance. And if you look at how I spend my time in the office, it correlates with that 80-20. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And I was just explaining why I do this show and the story about my father. And so now that you know why it is I do this, I want to thank you for listening to our show. I know there are a lot of these shows, but, you know, our show is really different. And here's why. I've been in this industry for 15 years, and I've seen way too many 65-year-olds just save, save, save with no real direction. They seem tired. They seem worn down. And, you know, they, they just go, go, go with no real direction. And in our business, we're trained as advisors to just tell people to save and you just need X amount of money and there's no real direction. And people are living longer. And those days of working till 65 and hoping that you have enough money to last until maybe, let's say, you're 85 or 90 just doesn't resonate anymore. And it doesn't work anymore. I mean, people are taking second careers. They're starting businesses. And they're finding other ways to keep income coming in, which allows them to keep their minds sharp and healthy. And also their sense of community intact, which is so important. Most people don't want to stop. And I love seeing this new trend. It's why I do this show. It's exciting. Well, have you seen the movie The Intern? I, I mean, Vince Vaughn, and I think uh, is that yeah, the Google. No, it's the, so the Intern is the one with uh, Robert De Niro, where he goes oh, back Robert to work. De- that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. The internship is the internship. Other one. <laughs> okay, close. <laughs> yeah, but the Intern is such a great movie if you haven't watched it because it, it really is. You know, he, his wife passes away, and he's he feels like he's lost his skill set, but he goes back to work with these folks, and he just is a completely refreshed different person. And I think you see that a lot in your business. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, my mentor, George, really always taught me um, an important, important lesson about listening and aligning your mind, your gut, and your heart. And we are a society that too often ignores one, two, or all three of these. So in my opinion, the traditional sense of retirement is broken. And that's why we do the show each week. With that, we're going to head into our first break. You've been tuning in to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And when we come back from break, we're going to answer some of your questions, our top five most compelling questions of the week, and hear what's on your minds when it comes to money and life. Back in a few. Welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we're going to go through our top five compelling questions of the week from you, the listener. Every week I get these questions, and not only from you, the listeners, but also some of these are from clients that come into our office and I think are very relevant when it comes to our concept of Retire While You Work. And the goal is to answer in ways that truly add value to you and really help put us into that Retire While You Work mindset as opposed to just giving some cookie-cutter textbook answer that our industry is often guilty of. So, you know, we always have to ask ourselves, what is the greater purpose to managing our finances, and what does retirement look like? And so let's get into some of these questions. And remember that you can go to retirewhileyouwork.com, and you can submit your questions throughout the week and click the Contact button in the top right 
of the screen, or you can always call my office. I'd love to talk to you. 615-435-3644. Andrea, hello. Hey there. Okay. So the first question this week, I think is, again, we were talking about being part of the sandwich generation. This this one's a good one. Great. Um, this is from a listener who says, my mother has gone into a nursing home. What happens to her assets, David? Okay. That's a good question. You know, I get this question a lot. Um, it's certainly relevant to the sandwich generation topic. I mean, you know, this is this is more of a legal question. Um, but let me let me say a few things about this. So, you know, if she has long term care insurance, which would be a great thing, um, most people don't, but more people do these days. Then hopefully her assets that she has invested are really just there for backup. But if she doesn't have long term care. Um, she's going to have to pay for the expenses until you really get down to a limited amount of assets and Medicare kicks in. I think it's, I don't know, five, ten thousand bucks in a car that you can keep. So you really have to spend everything down. So that's the first that's the first thing to look at is does she have long term care? Got it. OK, what's the next thing? OK, well, well, something to keep in mind, you know, if she, if she does have assets, but let's say that she is incapacitated mentally. This is where it's very, very, very important to have a will and a power of attorney. That you know that comes in and protects the wish the wishes of the incapacitated and really allows the families from fighting prevents the families from fighting and you know we had it was Jeff Mobley who is a uh, very well respected local estate planning attorney as a guest on a recent show and he went on and on stressing about how important these documents are so we really need to think about all these things now and really before they happen so long term care insurance does she have it and then let's talk about the estate planning documents. Um, and, you know, that this all comes back to planning. The whole point of planning is to help us win long term. You know, we can't predict the future in anything, but we can plan. And at least we can think about what the best options are and the different scenarios that come up. So I guess it goes back to the best answer. Have a plan and, you know, factor in how much money does she have saved up? What are her retirement assets? And then decide of those assets, which one would you spend down, which one of those would you spend down first and which makes the most sense to have as a backup? So get with your financial planner and kind of prioritize the order of assets. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I guess uh, kind of a follow-on question here from me is why why do you think people wait until this point to ask these types of questions? Do you think they're, they're – do you think that they get embarrassed to ask their f- – family members, what their financial kind of situation looks like? Do you think that that's an awkward conversation? I guess. I think it's an uncomfortable, A, it's just not a fun conversation. It's an uncomfortable conversation. When I bring up to a healthy 55 or 60-year-old the idea of nursing home insurance, that's not a fun topic, nor does anybody want a big insurance bill to stack on to all the other insurance. Right. So I think it's just that topic. But also, yeah, there is a, you know, back to the sandwich generation, you know, someone going from taking care of their kids to now having that conversation with their kids about taking care of mom and dad. Um, there's a lot of, there's shame. There's the, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to ask them for money. They need it more than I do. They're raising a family, a lot of dynamics that come into play there. So it's just not a um, fun conversation, but it is very, very important. And to be honest, it's what usually, you know, defines if someone's going to run out of money before age 90 and if there is going to be an inheritance or not. Got it. So really important to get these things taken care of before they get to the point where their parent is being put into a nursing home and then they're asking about their assets. Yeah, it's too late. It's too late then. Um, You know, there's a few things you can do. You're certainly not going to get insurance at that point. Have the conversation just just same way you talk about wills and and, and other other factors like that. You know, if you're just tuning in, this is David Adams and you're listening to Retire Where You Work. 
and we're taking our questions throughout the week. So feel free to go to our website, retirewhileyouwork.com, and click the Contact Us button. Send us your question, and we will do our best to include it here on the show. All right, next question. All right, so this one's a good one, too. Um, I think this is this is a common question. People want to know, do they pay down debt, or do they save, or, or what's going to happen? So I think this one is really applicable to our audience here. So from another listener... So this is our second listener question of the week. Right. Um, should I resume contributions to a 401k or delay a year in contributions and save for a house down payment instead? Okay. So do you, okay. do you keep doing the 401k or stop it for a year? Okay. This is a very, a very common question. Um, probably one of the most common. I like to say that the best approach in this situation is what I call a hybrid approach. And that's, you know, let's, Let's not neglect either. So let's do the 401k, for example, at least up to the match, all while trying to save for a house at the same time. Think about this. The 401k match, that's free money. If possible, I'd rather see any client um, do their best to not leave any of that money on the table. So if your company's giving you 3%, 6%, whatever it is, um, at least contribute to get that match. Now, on top of that, I always like to advise clients to put at least 20% down on a house if they can you know, even if that means buying less of a house, the 20% down is just a good financial planning metric that makes us financial planners feel that nice, warm, and fuzzy. Right. Um, you know, it's a good plan, and it's it's a good mechanism to help you uh, keep from going underwater. Think about 2008. So always go back to a plan. A lot of the 2008 horror stories were because someone put 3% down on a house, lost their job, and now right. all of a sudden they were underwater. Sure. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, back to that question, though, once you do have a down payment, I would definitely go back to the 401k and, you know, on top of just the match, go back to doing at least 15 to 20 percent towards retirement, whether it's in that 401k or other IRAs, really depending on income. Because remember, time is always a good thing for this nice little thing that we advisors love, compounding growth. You know, and if you're laser focused on saving for a house and that's important to the family, and if you only need, let's say, six months to save for that down payment, and you're really just excited to start your life, then by all means do it. You know, you only live once. And that really goes back to this retire while you work mindset. It's not all about the money. So don't ignore the 401k. But if you're excited and you're close, go for it. You know, there are other factors that, that are always going to be out there, you know, whether it's the cost of a house, the real estate market, or the interest rates. Maybe you need to lock in a low rate. And putting off a 401k for six months or a year isn't going to hurt you too bad. Just don't ignore the plan. Um, you know, but putting it on hold for a big lifestyle or a fun goal like a house, in my opinion, is awesome. Home is where the heart is, right? Yep. And it's a lot more important than just hoarding money, <laughs> even though our industry likes to tell you otherwise. Balance, <laughs> balance, balance. All right. Hope All that right. helps. So this one is a super quick question from uh, one of our listeners, David. It says, I'm over 59 years old. Can I take out a lump sum from my 401k? I know, I think I know what you're going to say, but let's see. Well, go ahead, answer it for me. Give me a breather. I'm no, just, uh, just <laughs> I, 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 I just see your head filled with like penalties and other things. So please, David, enlighten Negative us. Negative Nelly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, okay, so you can, the question was, can I take out a, a lump sum? The answer is you can um, if you are over the age of 59 and a half. Actually, you can't at any point. There are taxes and penalty. There's that penalty word. Mm -hmm. If you're under 59 and a half. Um, this person says she's 59 or he's 59. 
So depending on the half is actually an important concept there. Um, if you're over 59 and a half, you can take it out at any time and you just pay taxes. So taxes are inevitable on an IRA. They're going to come out of that regardless. But waiting till that age, you don't have to pay the penalty, which is nice. So on top of that, it's always ideal to wait as long as possible so that the account can grow. So don't pull it out just because you're 59 and a half. I've listened or seen that mistake many times. Hey, I took money out, paid the taxes on it, put it into my checking account because I thought I had to. You don't. That's 70 and a half that you have to pull out money. Um, okay, so, but here, here's a part of that, kind of a subset of that question. Um, clients always ask me about taking money out of their 401k to pay off the house. I'm not sure if that's part of this uh, listener's question, but it's a very common one. And, you know, if you're super close to paying off a house, let's say you're 60 and you owe $40,000 on a house and you've got a half a million dollar uh, IRA, emotionally it may make sense to pay a little bit of taxes and pay it off. That's great. I think that makes a lot of sense. But if you're taking out half of your 401k and then paying taxes, maybe even a penalty if you're under 59, all to pay off the houses early, well, more than likely in this environment, you already have a low interest rate, probably getting a tax deduction on it. In my opinion, that's really jumping the gun. It can really steal a lot of momentum that you spent years and years building up for your future. So I would say money out of the 401k needs to be after 59 and a half and only if you really need it. And when it comes to the house question, if you're close and you feel it and you can taste it and you want to run around in the backyard in the grass and say, I'm debt free and that causes more enjoyment, the kids playing, watching the kids on the swing set, then do it. Absolutely. You know, and I'll say uh, too, um, retire while you work. This mindset would tell you that if having a paid for house, you know, if in it, it, or buying whatever you need from the 401k really helps you enjoy your life more. Isn't that what it's all about? Let's go to a break. We'll take some more questions. Thank you for listening. This is retire while you work. I'm David Adams on news radio, 1510 WLAC. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thank you. Welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And before the break, we were taking several of our questions from our top five compelling questions of the week. And remember, you can submit one of these questions to retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button at the top of the screen. Our last questions before the break were about 401ks and accessing that money, paying down a house in nursing home. Uh, for your parents and what that looks like. And now we're on to our next question, Andrea. All right. So this person writes in, and again, I, I can't wait to hear your perspective on this. <laughs> I'm glad you think I'm so interesting. I, I, I just think that this whole, I think finance is fascinating. I'm such a nerd. It's all good. Okay. I have two and a half million dollars in a trust that I can't get to until I am 50. Is there a way to get a loan against the trust? Oh, okay. Loan against the tr trust. Well, I'll start by answering that by saying it all depends, and I'm not sure. Um, it depends on what the trust allows. So trust documents usually dictate this the way that the attorney and the trust grantor set it up. Um, usually I would say no because really if you think about it, the entire point of having a trust is setting an age that prevents access to the money. So let's think about that. If, you know, if you're 25 years old and and the trust allows you to take eighty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars a year, you know that's a lot of money, and you know it leads to questions back to the point of the trust. Does do you want the 
beneficiary of the trust to have that kind of access to cash, does that prevent them for from doing other things? Does that demotivate them from their first job or going to grad school? Absolutely. That $100,000 is great at 25, but what does it look like at, you know, 40 with two kids and and you know, you've got the same income you've had since you were 25, you know, can you sustain that? Right. Well, it's and, not it's not near as much money at 40, but in a way it's it, but it's a lot more it's a lot more impactful. It's much more meaningful because you've hopefully built a great foundation, you have the work discipline instilled in in yourself and with the family, and this money now comes as a relief. And really can help, you know, help kind of cover the gaps, whether it's private school or paying down the house. Right. So, but is it possible, I guess, I I think that that's going to be the interesting part of this and what, and something I don't know, can you take a loan against a trust? I haven't, I'll tell you, in, in my 15 years, I haven't seen that happen. I can't say that you can't. That's a legal question. I, uh, more than likely, I mean, there there are conventional ways to get loans, and maybe you could potentially use the trust as leverage that helps qualify, um, you know, whether it's collateral or just helps, you know, put you in a better standing to get that loan. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't want to start using the future benefits of the trust for, for the now. You know, if if the person who left that wanted you to have it early, they probably would have spelled it out that way. And really, I think the point of a trust is to honor the wishes of the person who left it behind, um, and, you know, some trusts will say this, Andrea, that maybe you can get out, you know, 20 percent for a house down payment. So the magic age, as they call it, a lot of times used to be 25. I see a lot of attorneys using 35 and 40 for their kids now. But it may say, you know, at 25, if they've graduated college and um, they don't have any other debt, the trust will provide 25 percent for a home down payment or allow them to buy a car or to pay for grad school. A lot of times I see exceptions in these trusts, but not a loan provision but, you know, I think the answer comes back to, to to tough love, and there's a reason why you shouldn't access your money. So, Got it. Yeah, I can't imagine what kind of crazy person I would have been at 25 if I was drawn <laughs> eighty or $100,000 a year. That, that's that's a lot of cheese dip. <laughs> a lot of cheese dip. That's I a love lot cheese of cheese dip. dip. That's, that's my love language. vacations. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen it. I mean, you've seen it with, uh, you know, some, some entertainers and some professional athletes that didn't have a will, period. And a lot of money was left. I can think of one example. Won't name names, but eighteen-year-old son inherited millions. And imagine being eighteen with no trust and getting that money because now you're of legal age. You have a million bucks, and you know, do you, are, at eighteen, if you had a million bucks, would you have gone to college? Maybe, maybe not. Or would you have thought you were rich and bought everyone you knew a a, a brand new Range Rover? You know, it happens. I mean, we we live in a country where you know these folks have been blessed with incredible athletic ability. But unfortunately, with the athletic ability, sometimes does not come <laughs> does not come the financial discipline. And, you know, there are a lot of athletes who end up, unfortunately, actually, I think the statistic is somewhere around 78 percent of I didn't athletes. Think, I didn't think that ever happened. Andrew. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I, it is, it's, it's very high. I used to be um, I used to work with quite a few NFL athletes and it is it is um, really high. Yeah. Very, very high. So let's hope if this person's trying to get a loan against this trust, it's for a good reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> check check with the uh, the trustee of the trust. If you're just tuning in, this is Retire While You Work, and I'm your host, David Adams, and we are taking your questions throughout the week. And by all means, please go to retirewhileyouwork.com. Send us your question. Click the Contact Us button in the top right-hand corner, or give me a call at the office. Love to hear from you. 615-435-3644. And we will take the next question. All right. 
We talk about healthcare a lot, so this is a good one here. I have a new employer, and they offer employee health benefits. She wants to know if she should cancel her current health insurance. I wonder if it's through her husband or someone else, his employment. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, people have a lot of questions around health care. So what do you say, David? The most uh, stressful topic for me as an advisor, because it is so hard to give a direct answer. And as a, as a financial planner, we love certainty. The market provides enough uncertainty. I definitely want, when it comes to a plan, to be able to tell somebody how much something's going to cost or put some nice little package of 3% inflation or put a bow around it. But very, very hard, as everyone knows, in this current environment. Um, So to that question, I would say first you have to obviously look at the cost of the current plan uh, versus the new employer plan and what is being covered and what doctors, you know, is your primary care physician under the new plan. This stuff is changing every day. It's very hard to keep up with it. I do this every day for a living, and I am going through this with my own plan right now. It is it is tough. I mean, Blue Cross Blue Shield is getting out of the individual health insurance business here in Middle Tennessee, and premiums are going up. They said I think they approved sixty three percent. It's a tough environment now. Ask, so again, ask the ask is the new coverage better than your current, and is your new employer likely? Well. I say likely, but possibly they are subsidizing the cost. So maybe you're only paying half and they're paying half, which will make it a lot uh, cheaper than if this person was self-employed before and paying the entire premium. Um, you know, it took me making about three spreadsheets, Andrea, last time a couple years ago when I had to look at changing insurance to compare, you know, the blue plan with the gold plan and, you know, the deductibles and copays and all that. It is a mess. It is. A, it is absolutely a mess, and it's <laughs> it's so confusing. And as an employer too, I can imagine that you run against road. You run up against some roadblocks there because you're trying to determine. You know, you employ men, you employ women. Yep. You know, what's the best health care coverage for your team? I'm doing. I'm doing that right now. You know, as, as a smaller business, I've give, been given the advice for the last couple of years. You know, have. Uh, have everyone get their their own plans and 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 pay higher salaries or go going now it's you know we're currently looking at different group plans and it's you want to be a good steward and a good uh good to your employees but it's changing so much it's hard to navigate i'll say you know find an advisor or a health insurance agent to help you evaluate all of your options i'm licensed for health insurance but it's not my specialty and i did i took that advice i have found an advisor that does this every day Happy to get you in touch with one if you're here local, so let me know. Um, but do that, meet with them, and just and just go through your options. And now, this is also important, Andrea. Make sure that you check the coverage dates so that you don't find yourself exposed. And like I did on my ski trip last year, and <laughs> in between there was a month uh, over the winter where Blue Cross was changing plans. I'm not trying to beat up Blue Cross. This is just how it all went down, but. They were changing plans, and I paid my premium, but apparently it went to the wrong account number, broke my thumb, skiing. You know, I think I had an MRI, a couple thousand dollars of bills, ended up having to pay for that because I didn't have insurance. Big mess. Embarrassing mess as a financial advisor, but that's how difficult this stuff is. Absolutely. it's. I mean, it's it's confusing to everyone. It's confusing to employers. It's confusing to citizens, and it's confusing to children who are trying to have make sure their children are covered. And Amen. also <laughs> their parents, right? Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're right. And this is why you need an emergency phone. Have cash sitting on the sideline. Cash is always king. Great question. We're about to go to our next break. 
And after the break, we're going to speak with Karen Feemster about college planning. You will not want to miss this segment, a very important one. You've been tuning in to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I'm your host, David Adams. Back in a minute. Hello and welcome back to Retire Where You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. And before the break, we were answering our listeners' top compelling questions of the week. And remember, please go and submit your question to us at retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button. All right, now I am pleased to introduce again the special guest we have in our studio today, Karen Feemster, to talk about college planning. Hello, Karen. Hello, David. Very happy to be here and talk about colleges. Great to see you. This is a very important topic, and I'll, I'll give a little intro to Karen. She's been She's really been a leader with students of all ages for the past 30 years, and she has an active CPA license. Oh, fellow CPAs. We can really nerd out. (laughs) (laughs) Love our numbers. Yes, we do. Um, Her true love has been working with students and encouraging them to pursue their dreams. And she is excited, and we're excited that she's bringing her company, Class 101, the franchise here to Tennessee. And so, again, welcome. And I'll tell you, the first thing I want to ask, it's, you know, I have so many clients that discuss their children's college planning needs with me, Um, and that's why it's great to have a specialist here, and I can help them invest that money in the different buckets. But let's start with the question I get asked most often. How should, when it comes to, you know, saving for college, I mean, the tuition keeps going up, up, up. What is the high, I mean, what what is the, if you look at private schools, what are the highest costs? I mean, it used to be, I mean, I went to a public school here in Tennessee, and I think it was Two thousand dollars a semester, maybe cost me fifteen, twenty right, grand. Right. Andrea, you went, you did the same, right? That's right. Thank God for MTSU. <laughs> <laughs> we won't, we won't, we won't mention years, but we, no, but, no, well, we co- won't. <laughs> do you remember being a couple of grand? I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. But that's dating us. You realize that, right? Right. That was just a couple of years ago. Sure, sure. <laughs> High and inflation. I can, and I can date that for you too, Andrea, <laughs> because currently for 2016 and 17, MTSU is twenty three thousand five hundred eighty two per year. Wow. So I think that's a little bit higher than what you paid. When that you is. I mean, 400. I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's remarkable. A, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So let's, so most expensive, I mean, we've had Belmont here. I know Belmont's probably 40 or 50 grand. What, what are the most expensive schools looking like? So Belmont right now is 47,000. Wow. The is most it? expensive one for 2016 and 17 is New, New York University. And it okay. is 70,444. Seventy thousand. Seventy thousand four hundred and forty-four per year, and then close behind it is Notre Dame at sixty-five thousand eight hundred and seventy, which is very comparable comparable to Vanderbilt, which is in our backyard, which is sixty-five thousand four. Vanderbilt sixty-five thousand. Yes. Wow. Wow. That is. I can see why that is very overwhelming uh, for parents. I mean, that is that is wow. Okay, so let's. I know with with your company, tell us a little bit about what you do, and and mainly, you know, how do how do parents and students really go and find out about the available financial aid or scholarship opportunities? Isn't that that's what you do, right? Is that how you would? That's the value proposition, right? That would be the value. We're trying to help them make college affordable because okay. these numbers are crazy, and the costs keep going up about one percent every year. The average cost for a public school is about twenty four thousand a year. Okay. Private, you heard those numbers, upper forty thousand. 
So we're trying to help them find the right list, which is based on what their budget is going to be. So it's going to be visiting schools. It's going to be finding out what are the important factors. What is the student interested in? What area of the country do they want to be in? Right, of course. So okay. um, all right. of those. Do they want to surf or ski? Where exactly. do they want to be? <laughs> well, right. That no, that makes sense. And 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 when I'm talking to you know, to the parents and they come in and they ask, you know, how much should we be saving for college? I mean, obviously these numbers are important, but I always tell them that, you know, retirement comes first. I mean, you want to look at college for sure, but I don't want a client neglecting their retirement out of fear of these rising college costs because they're both important, but you also can't ignore college based on those numbers. So it's, it's a, it's a tough kind of catch 22 where there's not a magic number um, saving for college. Um, there's also, like you said, scholarships, there's tuition assistance, and that's, and that's why you do what you do and why it's so important. So let me ask another question, if you don't mind. How is the application process different today than it was in the past? It is so competitive now. You have more students applying to college, so you have all sorts of deadlines. You have application deadlines. You have scholarship deadlines. You have deadlines to get your test scores in. You have deadlines to get recommendation letters in, and then all those all-important financial aid forms that help you secure need-based aid. And in the state of Tennessee, the free application for federal student aid is also the application for the HOPE scholarship, which is something a student can earn if their GPA and their ACT scores match. Kind of, kind of overwhelming. That sounds like a full-time job. Well, I guess it is a full-time job. That's why. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, wow. I, I got to go. Not, yeah. <laughs> you gotta I, go I got to get started. I have a 10-year-old. Right. Let's go. <laughs> So start early and start visiting schools. Make right. it fun. I, I, I don't want the student to lose out on the opportunity of all the all the things that are going on with high school and the learning process and all of the things that they can be involved in. But keep college as part of that process. So visit the schools. Know what scores are going to help you get a better scholarship at a, at a particular school. I thought it was interesting you know, after talking about the uh... – you know, the, the reality check of the call, she said, have fun while visiting colleges. What, what are, you know, what are some ways that people can have fun? Turn this into like a little weekend trip with the family and just, you know, oh, exactly. go get some good food and spend some quality time and make it a little trip, right? Exactly. So I'm from the University of Kentucky. So, you know, the month of October was Keeneland. So go up to Lexington, go see Keeneland, look at the, yeah. um, go to the horse races and then go see a Kentucky game. Um, go if your child plays a travel sport and there's a tournament in a big city. Find out what school is in that in that town and book a tour there and right. visit them. Well, part of what we talk about every week is retiring while you work and finding mm-hmm. times to spend time with family and to get away from the noise. And that's a great way to make a, a task that feels like a job, like looking for a college, a way to enjoy it as well. Right. So that's, that's great. Um, how soon should parents really start having their children Look at colleges. Andrea, hopefully she's not going to say 10. Well, you never know. Alex is already talking about Vanderbilt, so I'm going to have to sell an organ or something. Probably 85000 then. Let's talk. Yeah. And Vanderbilt is a great school, and there's lots of great schools out, of there, out there. It just depends on your family's schedule. We advise our families to visit at least 10 college campuses before 10. the start of their senior year. Wow. So, however, Ten vacations. Yes, <laughs> sounds good to me. Sometimes you can knock out some schools um, in a short period of time. I take students on college trips in the summer, and we've been known to visit six schools in three days. 
You'll take like a, a group of students and their parents. Yes. Well, usually just the students. Um, we get on a get a van. Oh, okay. Parents gotcha. are welcome, but um, but sometimes they can't can't come with us. Right. So we load them up and we go visit some schools and try to give them a flavor of what's it look like at a state school, maybe a smaller private school. What's a school in a in a college town to find out what what makes sense for that student a fraternity party right right i'm, I'm sure karen is taking them to the frat house exactly no i try to avoid that. we try to show them all the good right right so karen so i have a question for you is it easier or is it virtually the same to look at financial aid options for state universities versus private universities is is it virtually the same are there are there financial aid packages out there for both? Can give us a little bit there. Okay. It's a little bit different for each. Um, now, the HOPE Scholarship in Tennessee applies to private and public schools, which I think some families are not aware of. What um, You'll notice that the cost of public schools appears lower than private schools. However, private schools also have things like endowment funds where they can give grant money. Right. So a school like Vanderbilt will say, we will meet 100% of your demonstrated need. That means the cost of attendance, that 65000 what your pa- family is expected to pay, which will come from filling out the FAFSA form, whatever is left over, that is your need. So okay. grants and scholarships are what we're hoping for for our clients because you don't have to pay that money back. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. That's, no, that's great advice. I get the question about the FAFSA all, all the time. And so that's something that you're you're doing with almost every client, right? Unless you yes. unless you know there's no chance of financial aid or we tell them to fill it out anyway. Okay. Because well, one, if you have a school in Tennessee, that is your application for oh, the for Hope Scholarship. Hope. Right. Yes. Right. But then again, that is one place where you can say, Yes, I want I'm interested in work study. And that is the start of the process, the FAFSA and then the CSS profile, which is used by some of the private schools to figure out how they're going to um, extend those grants. To the students. Great. So they need all of those needs. So we say fill it out, just have those numbers available. Great. Let, let me ask you this. What are some things that you've seen people overlook when considering the best college options for their kids? The most common things they overlook. They start too late. Um, that is that is my um, biggest concern. Um, junior year seems to be after Christmas, a lot of families will start Well, what they don't realize is when that student's filling out their application, it is going to be based on their grades through the end of their junior year. Applications come out summer before their senior year. So if grades aren't where they want them to be, they don't have time to work. And they also don't have time to um, work on test scores. So they don't allow them enough time to go through the process. So taking the ACT and the SAT in and SAT and, and your sophomore year and getting getting some scores under your belt, is that what you're Or at least to? having a baseline depending on what your classes okay. are if you've right. had the subject matter. But knowing what are factors that are important to that student. My daughter's wanting to go out of state, and that's kind of pricey to travel out of state. So you've got to figure that into your plan. If we yeah. had tried to do that just spring their, their junior year, we never would have made it. Great. Karen, let me ask you this. Give our listeners five quick tips um, on how to help their child choose the best and the most, I guess, cost-effective college for him or her. Okay. Five, five tips. Five tips. doesn't have to be five, but okay. sounds, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Five tips. We can, give you, we can give you several, but I'll give you five. Make sure you have the right college list. That college list means that that student is in the top 25% of the class of that 
and entering the class in college. That means that they're a fit grade-wise, interest-wise, score-wise. We find they perform the best. Um, make sure that you apply for all need-based aid. Make sure that you meet all deadlines. Some scholarships are given just because you've done early action and you've gotten your application in early. Okay, great. And make sure that you research all those outside scholarships. They are undependable to pay for the full cost of college, but they're great ways to fill in the gaps for books and other things. Okay. Very good. I think that that's a great list. I'm going to start on all that immediately. No, that is that is <laughs> If <great>. not sooner. <laughs> Let, you know, and, and one thing I wanted to say, and this may be something we get into more detail in a future show, um, is, you know, I advise clients when it comes to saving for college, there are, you know, 529 accounts and educational savings accounts and accounts called UTMA accounts, which we'll get into later that are that are part of this. And Karen, we would, this was great. We'd love to have you back. Is that okay? Can we have Absolutely. You back? I would love to come back. We could, we could fill a whole show talking about college. This has been great. How can our listeners uh, find you? Okay, they can they can email me at kfeemster at myclass101.com, and our company's website is myclass101.com, or they can call me at 615-497-5886. Great. Thank you so much again. We will definitely have you back on. That's That wraps us up for today. Thanks for tuning in. And this is David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. If you'd like to reach me during the week, give me a call at 615-435-3644 or visit retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. By all means, come by our office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. Again, I'm David. Remember, life is short and there are many, many more important things to worry about than money. And I hope this show helps. 